what's happening everybody out there this is keith from the low-key podcast and i'm one of your hosts and i'm joined here today with aaron yo how's it going everybody and out of sunny california we have tim how's everybody doing Ooh. and today we got a special guest we got sam um coming from the dfw from the sam said it podcast how you doing sam i'm doing great my name is sam and today we're going to be talking about again a whole bunch of different things right right so yeah we're going to have have some fun with this episode one thing that we were, I don't know, I was a little bit thrown off about was all of this buzz that's surrounding about, about the Joker movie. Talking about people saying that this might be an Oscar contender, like all this praise that we're getting from the movie, and we're not even, what, what is it coming out in October? Yes. Yeah. Er, October 5th or something like that? October 5th, yeah. So it's like, I don't know, I kind of miss the days when you really don't know much about a movie until like... Uh, couple days before the movie actually come out and now we're getting all these reviews about it now yeah and back so, when you were a teenager yeah back when i was a teenager which was many many moons ago <laughs> so <laughs> so we really want to just kind of get into like like what we what we want to see out of the joker film what's our expectations and um just get into some some deeper conversations about um the resurgence of these villains and superhero films and what's the appeal of it so um so let's start with you, Tim. Like, what is it? Is there anything in particular you're looking for from the Joker film or expecting? I like movies about villains. I like comic books about villains. One of my favorite comic books in recent years was the Sinister Six comic book about all the Spider-Man villains and kind of the second tier Spider-Man villains and how they're struggling to get along. It was really funny and really good. And you could you could relate to them just as people kind of struggling in their job, even though they were super villains. Um that said, I don't really love big cinematic villain origin stories. I thought Darth Vader was better before I knew his whole story. I thought Hannibal Lecter was better before I knew his whole story. So, you know, I'm fine with this movie existing, but I'm not really excited about it because I don't like the premise. That said, it just got the Golden Lion, which is a really important award at um, the Venice Film Festival. Mm-hmm. People say it's really good. So, you know, I'll give it a shot. All right, right. So... I, I'm I'm with you on that. Like I don't really care to have a, too much of an origin story to a villain because sometimes I think the big the allure of the villain is what you don't know about them. Like I remember when they made uh, what was it the Halloween movies? Oh yeah, yeah. I like Rob Zombie, and they were pretty much like origin stories to Michael Myers. We didn't need that shit. Like part of what made Michael Myers Michael Myers was the little bit that you knew about him, right? And so, um, and the same thing with Darth Vader. Like, it's good to know stuff in subtext, but to have a whole origin story is different. But I think from this Joker film, from my understanding of it, they're taking a different take almost as if the Joker exists in an alternate universe. I mean, I could be wrong in thinking that. So um, what about you, Sam? Like, is there anything in particular you're looking forward to in the Joker film? Well, you took off my, my hot take of winning the Venice, like, I guess, best picture version of what Venice gives for their film festivals. Because that, uh-huh. to me is kind of a big deal. Like, what I'm looking for in this movie, I'm again, I love villains. Joker is one of my favorite villains, even though I think Superman could, like, work him in a day. Like, in a <laughs> second. But unless it's the D Injustice universe. Unless it's that, or he has, like, a giant thing of kryptonite, because, of course he does, because Lex Luthor gave it to him, I guess. Right. Like, when I look at this movie, though, and you're all correct, the director already said this is based pretty much off of nothing. Like, when they made this, this is their own birth child kind of thing. So that, to me, gets me a little bit more excited. 
the examples you guys gave, which is Halloween, I forgot which Rob Zombie Halloween that was, but even with that, they redid that one with the last Halloween that came out, which means that I think only Halloween 1 and 2 actually exist now, at least inside their <laughs> continuity. They got rid of all the other ones. The same right. thing with Darth Vader. You tell me, you know, 10-year-old me, hey, you want to hear about Darth Vader? The answer would be, yeah, sure, why not? I would love to see how Darth Vader became evil. And then we got it, and it was like, well, now I renege on that. I don't want that again. <laughs> when I look at this, the fact that DC is saying, what is it? Was it DCEU for extended, meaning that some of these stories won't connect to each other? Uh-huh. That gives me some hope that this movie will be good. When I come into this movie, I don't want to have any expectations. I know everyone's giving it like best picture, and I think IGN gave it like a 9 out of 10 kind of business, which for me, great. But I want to come into this not thinking about Justice League, not thinking about Batman v Superman or all these other horrible movies or that other Joker in Suicide Squad. I want to come into this straight up just blank. I think Joaquin Phoenix is a great actor. From the trailers I've seen, that looks good. Again, I love a good villain story, so yes, I do believe we're probably going to get more villain stories eventually. Again, this being extended universe, meaning that it doesn't need to touch Batman or Wonder Woman or any of these other things like that, I do have hope for this movie a little bit. Like, I, I don't mind a Joker story. Joker has never really had an origin story, unless you talk about like the Red Hood or things of that nature, which even to him, he doesn't know his own origin story. So he's lied right. so much that he's forgotten it. So to give this that story... I'm okay with. Like, I'm okay with Joker getting his own movie, especially if it's a good movie, especially if DC kind of steps back and says, you know what, we're going to get different directors and maybe don't have it tied to everything because we've seen with Justice League and Batman v Superman that they don't know really how to do that well. So put it May in I pose own... a question to everybody? Go ahead. Actually, with, with, with all, all that you just said in mind, just off the top of, of our heads, can we think of another, in, like for the superhero genre, for, for um, U.S. films, has there been another villain origin story where like the sole focus is the villain in their upcoming? Um, besides, I guess Venom doesn't count because they make him into an anti-hero. Mm-hmm. Um, we can, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, besides that, I can't think of one, you know? Yeah, and it's like, I have nothing. The, yeah, the reason with, I'm, I'm actually... Same with Punisher. So I guess the, the reason I'm curious about it, I know one of the things that that people are thinking could happen as a result... Let's just say this movie is excellent, right? Let's just make the assumption that it is. If this movie is really, really good, who would be the next villain? Okay, let, let me not even say the next. Who would be the best villain? beyond the joker to do a movie like this about um, all of all of us are geeks here right so i've been thinking and i've been holding on to this i think dr doom needs a movie uh amen dr. absolutely has one of the best villain backstories next to magneto he's also had some of the worst appearances in yes. film so far and there <laughs> yeah. is now a rumor that the mcu I guess TV shows, Disney Plus, whatever you want to call those things. They're thinking about moving him into that, where he would have his own, I guess, miniseries right. or TV show. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't know that, but that would be dope because his his backstory is so intricate into like everything that makes him Doctor Doom, and like and there's there's also this element of Doctor Doom that's like 
it's something about him to where he's like he can be menacing and also very like tragic, but also pretty like not not like I don't know like kind of corny at the same time. Yeah, like I remember reading. Um, so I just recently read Infinity Gauntlet. Okay, I don't know which one? The first, the very first one. Okay. And it's like Doctor Doom is funny as shit, like throughout the whole book. It's like it's like he trying to make these mad dashes to the um gauntlet and all this other stuff. But I, it's just I don't know. I think if you look back at his char- at his character though, backstory though, and you look at like him um pretty much ruling the whole country and like his kind of almost like a rag to riches storyline, I think it'd be pretty cool, you know. And you see he- his mother was and how he used technology and sorcery and stuff like that. And his actual intentions were, in his mind, good. And I think that always makes for an interesting villain. He actually would be the the right person to be the next gauntlet wearer. Right. He's, he's, he's had the gauntlet several times in the comics, and he'd probably be the right person to do it going forward. Uh, Tim, what about you? You got anybody in mind? Dude, I'm so on board with Dr. Doom. He's like... Just like a slightly off kilter, Latveria. I hope I got the name of his country right. It's yeah, Latveria, yeah, right? right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I almost said Latvia. I'm so sorry, Latvia. Any Latvians listening? Latveria is like just like a shade different from Wakanda. It's like it's like the bad version of Wakanda. It's just this like isolated <laughs> North Korea version where instead of being run by like a benevolent leader, it's run by a by any means necessary evil leader. I, I love Doctor Doom, and I love that he's one of the rare villains who actually gets respect in the Marvel Universe as being smarter than the heroes, because all of them, they're like, oh yeah, he's really smart, but he keeps getting outsmarted by dummies. And <laughs> Doctor Doom is just yeah. like one of the brightest dudes in the Marvel Universe. I, I love him as a villain. I think he's really compelling. Also, what about you, shows- Sam? Oh, uh, again, I'm going to jump on the train as well. I enjoy Doctor Doom. I think Doctor Doom would be, I guess... I guess put him as the next big bad because again he is smarter than most, if not all, of the MCU characters that we have at the moment. Maybe outside of him is Shuri, but even then, I think Shuri thinks more innocently. But if they Doctor bring Doom, Doom in, wouldn't they bring in? You would think Reed Richards, maybe. That was going to be my the whole Fantastic Four, and that was yep, what I was about to get to as well. Yeah, because mm-hmm. like to me, you can't have Doctor Doom without a Fantastic Four. Well, like, you, I mean, you can introduce him into Black Panther. You can. I. But I'd rather have a good Fantastic Four attached to him, though. Oh, okay. Because if yeah. you have the property, why not use it now, MCU? Like, you have it. Might as well just go ahead and go full kill to with it. And have, again, maybe a, not young Reed Richards, because we already saw that. But a nice MCU level of that late 20s, early 30s, kind of touch of gray maybe coming in early for Reed Richards. Where we need to find someone who can battle Doctor Doom on his mind level. Oh, maybe he'd be the actual genius intellect replacement for Tony, though. Exactly. If you skip the whole Fantastic Four thing, just, like, punt that down the road and just bring in, like, Army Hammer as the villain in Black Panther 2 as Doctor Doom, I am so a thousand percent on board. I can see yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah it would be interesting. I want to say Black Panther 2 either has said or heavily implied it's supposed to be Namor. I think the latest Avengers movie really heavily implied about talking about those earthquakes underneath the right. sea. Right. You know, like it, it kind of was like in your face. Like I, I immediately it popped in my head because I was like, 
all right, man, like that's that's kind of on the nose. If you know what happens in the comics, you know, every so often Namor is always fighting with, with Wakanda all the time. Mm. Uh, but anyway, that's a whole another thing. Um, so I, I don't want a Namor movie. I'll say that. No, uh, I mean, I'm not against it. I'm, you know, the water movie. Yeah, I mean, it, it would instantly be looked at as Marvel's version of Aquaman. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 our little fishbowl mind. Pun intended. If they do Keanu Reeves as Namor, maybe. Otherwise, has I don't to, see it working. Has to keep the OK, so so I have a question because, Tim, you being someone who works in the industry, my, my little pea brain is not uh, coming up with this right now. Wasn't there some report that Keanu has some MCU appearance that's supposed to be upcoming? Yeah, they've said they're always trying to recruit Keanu, and they're always kind of perpetually trying to rope him in, rope him in for something. So I'm sure it'll someday happen. Mm. And that's the same thing I heard. It's People said it might be in the internals, even though they announced everyone who's supposed to be in that now, so it's not that. You always have the rumor that he's supposed to be the next Wolverine, but I doubt that's going to be a thing either. Oh, man, that'd be weird, though. I'm the only person that thinks that Keanu Reeves will make a good Gambit. Oh, I ain't gonna lie. They kind of be clean, cause all right, I ain't gonna lie. When they said uh, it was gonna, it was gonna be. Uh, oh my god, what's what's his name? Dang. Um, yes, that seemed a little strange to me. I don't know. I I, I didn't. I, I couldn't make that fit in my head. Channing Tatum just doesn't. And and it's not because I don't think he could pull it off. It's just not really the look of the character. I'll say it for you. Um, you can't pull it off. That that and him trying to do a Louisiana accent. Mm, yeah, I don't, exactly. I don't know. Like if you saw, oh, what was it, Kingsman Two when he had to do a Texan accent, that was <laughs> trash. As someone I haven't seen Texas, that movie yet. Is that movie good? But do we think Keanu can do that? Can Keanu do the accent? That's that's all he got to do. He got to but, but hold on. Here's the thing. Do I give up if he can? Not really. He can do whatever <laughs> he wants. It's Keanu. I and think I he's at the point. Where roles come to him, he doesn't come to roles. Like I don't right. think he has to like figure out the accent. I think they have to figure out how to rewrite that movie to make that character talk like Keanu Reeves. He's like fifty five years old. <laughs> he can still fight people. He's probably the best like straight up stuntman actor, maybe ever. Um, Other uh, side of maybe Tom Cruise, who might argue with you about it, or Jackie maybe. Chan. Uh, no, all right, it's, it's Jackie correct. It's Jackie. All right, I'm immediately, <laughs> I'm immediately <laughs> wrong. Okay, yeah. but he's I, but he's very good. I got a pitch for you guys. What about a Gambit Rogue film? Right, who's Rogue though? Because the Rogues have been trash, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you kind you kind of started off as if they've already like existed in this world, and like let's say they in a group full of like villains or whatever, right? And they trying to prove themselves, so they wind up getting teamed together to pull off a heist. So it's like gonna be like this mutant superhero heist film, and in the midst of it. They wind up becoming heroes somehow. All right. So when Ooh. when's the script coming out, Keith? I'm I'm expecting one from you at the end of the year. It's it's pure fan fiction. I'm a, I'm gonna put it up on DeviantArt or something. I don't know. Right. Really? Like Fifty Shades of Grey was a fan fiction of Twilight, but she couldn't use their <laughs> actual characters because of copyright, so she switched it. I don't know if you're trolling or not, but that, that sounds is. so real. That's right. That's right. What? Yeah. All that work you've been doing, having all of your favorite characters have sex with each other, it's going to pay off. It is. Somewhere <laughs> down the line. Another example. Uh, you're, kissing, uh, you're, uh, kissing you're rogue by Netflix. Fan fiction. 
Kissing Booth by Netflix was written by a 15-year-old girl who put it on e like an ebook site and just forgot about it. Netflix found it, gave her money, got the rights for the movie. Kissing Booth is now on Netflix. Huh. You can literally make your dreams come true. Little Nas X was like the top thing with a silly song. And you know what? The boy is now making millions of dollars because of Old Country Road. So, again, if you have a dream, why not? Make and then he threw it off a Red Dead Redemption song? From Red Dead Redemption or something like that? That was uh -huh. the original video. Yeah. The original it's, a sample, video. Yeah. It, it's a sample of a Nine Inch Nails song at the beginning. Wow. Oh yeah. my god, all this is hitting me right now. Man, I'm learning so much today. So if we keep doing stuff for free... That's we the whitest shit I've ever done on the podcast, by the way, is rep for Nine Inch Nails in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Look, by the way... <laughs> I didn't interject. <laughs> oh, speaking... I, this is a little tidbit, but this, like, messed my brain up, right? I didn't know that... Garth Brooks created an alter ego back in the day named Chris Gaines. Oh, fuck yeah. Hold on. Whoa, whoa. Break this down. I don't know nothing about this. This shit is crazy. Like, <laughs> so I was watching, um, so this is how it all happened. Childish Gambino did a cover of this song called I'm Lost in You or something, right? And I was like, damn, this is a pretty song. I looked up who sung it. It was like this guy named Chris Gaines. I'm like, I never heard of Chris Gaines in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and then I looked up Chris Gaines and I saw this thing with Joe Rogan on Joe Rogan's podcast and he was talking to Chris Stapleton and he was like, yeah, so you remember that time when um, Garth Butch created an alter ego? <laughs> it was like a rock alter ego and like he was real, he had a whole backstory, they had a VH1 behind the music. Was he yeah. biting the heads off of bats too? It was the best oh, dude. It was it a was it, it was the best. He was like dark Garth Brooks. He had like a little like soul patch. It was like okay, I, I gotta look this up. I, I, I kind of don't believe y'all. What, 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 what was the what had, was the name of it again? He, Chris Gaines. He had like his had like dark hair parted down the middle, like in his eyes, like kind of like he's like you know if this grunge thing takes over country music, I'm ready. I'm right here with this Chris Gaines character. What? Oh, wow. Oh, Dude. Wow. What? <laughs> what is this um, email I'm looking at? I know. What is this? I'm sorry. This game's especially ever. Crazy. I knew Tim would know about it, but I was what like, white like, world is this? <laughs> Man, that's that's deep in the white culture. I don't know nothing about this. The song, the song <laughs> is dope, though. Yeah, it is deep in the white culture because I asked one of my coworkers about it, and she said, "Oh yes, I don't know what the hell was wrong with him." She was like, I think he was having a midlife crisis or something. I said, nah, this ain't a midlife crisis. This 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 man created a whole backstory. It's creative, though. See, the only black man who know about this would have to have been on the cast of Community. <laughs> Childish Gambino. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> the hell, Chris Gaines. Yeah, the song uh, is pretty, though. I gotta give it to it. It's a nice song. He did that. But anyway, um, Emo Garth Brooks. There was a, if I remember this right, there was an SNL episode where I think Garth Brooks hosted and Chris Gaines was the musical guest. Like, that is just, that is the best thing anyone's ever done. Oh, my God. Hey, that'd be a good episode to shoot this now, right? Could you do that? I, I will do it if we could ever get the rights. We'd have to get, we'd have to have Garth Brooks come on and talk to us about it. Because I think it's, like, the best move anyone's ever made. I'm so, like, I don't, I don't even, like, really like Garth Brooks' music, but I respect Chris Gaines' play so strongly. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, as long as he doesn't hear that clip, I think you might be able to get him. <laughs> you might want to get up on his discography, at least like look up his top songs on Spotify or something. Thunder Road, right? Or uh, what's the uh, number one song would be Lost in You that debuted at number five on the US charts. Right. It was a good song. Friends in Low Places is a good song. This this is this is blowing my mind. I'm, I'm the Chris Gaines is a made up character that was on the top five. <laughs> the Life of Chris Gaines was the album title, <laughs> debuted at number two on the U.S. charts. Chris Haynes' greatest hits. What the? Okay, he only yeah, he, had like one album. Why did he get greatest hits? Well, um, but anyway, I'm I'm sorry I got us two off the rails. Um, so Aaron, you didn't really tell us like what is it that you kind of <laughs> expecting from the Joker film? <laughs> um. <laughs> Let's get, let's get back to why can't you Phoenix? Um, uh, what am I expecting? I know you was a you was a big. I felt like you was a big Joker fan when we was in high school because I know you put me on like the Arkham series graphic novel. What was yeah, that? Yeah. What was novel, you know what I'm saying? So no. it probably wasn't that one because I don't know. I don't even know if I have read that one. I mean, probably you might be thinking of the Killing you know, Joke. Let me borrow it. You're thinking the of the Killing Joke. That's one, yeah. Yeah, that that one's pretty solid. Um, now it's super problematic to people now because of what happens to Barbara Gordon in it, and skip all that for now. Um, but I mean, I don't have expectations. Like, I'm not somebody who was looking for this movie. I mean, it's not the level of I wasn't looking for like a Nazi satire film, but I really wasn't checking for an origin Joker film either, right? Jojo Rabbit looks incredible to me. I was right there with you, but that trailer, I was like going to be in tears. That thing's beautiful. Is it really? So, you, I, I have not. Good. So I haven't seen Jump. the trailer, um, but I got the same kind of mixed feelings that I have about with with that film that I have about watching slave movies over and over and over and over. I am with you 100, percent but it caught me completely off guard. It was I was. Sam, have you seen the Jojo Rabbit trailer? I have. And Taika Waititi, guy who did yeah. th- th- Thor 3, which I'm like, th- those titles, Ragnarok, there we go. I enjoy his way of doing as a director. And it is, like I said, it's, is, are we making fun of like the things that happened? I don't think it's going to go that far, hopefully, maybe not. But like the first time you see Hitler kind of pop up, it's like, oh, this is funny. It's going to mm-hmm. be a dark humor. It won't be for everyone. And I'll just, like, just being honest, it's not going to be for everybody. But to me, I, I like Taco Tiki. I love this. Like it was just one of those things that, yeah, this is not this is going to insult some people. And I think Taika Watiti knows that. And it's like, okay, cool. Like You know, the first movie I saw of his had nothing to do with Disney. Actually, I can't remember the name of it. It was like a I, I went to people? I was living in New York and there was a Kickstarter film festival of some kind. Okay. And there was a movie of his, it was like about vampires. It was like a joke vampire film. What we do in the dark? Yes, it's a really good movie. Um, and so that was my introduction to him. I mean, I, I I think as a creative, he's really awesome. I'm sure he'll do well with it. I'm not sure it's really for me. Um, but I don't want to go on a tangent too long because I feel like we're not going to come back to the comic book stuff about the joke stuff. So, what am I expecting from it? Um, I really don't have expectations. I mean, I respect the pedigree of Joaquin Phoenix. Um, there is all kind of craziness in it. I've read some things that people have said, listened to some videos about how critics are reacting to it. Um, I remember before watching The Dark Knight, 
I thought it might have been a little overhyped. And then I went and saw it and I was like, this is fantastic. Everybody was right. So, you know, it it does feel a little, you know, overblown how much people are blowing smoke up, up, up this movie's behind at the same time. It's possible that it lives up to everything people are saying. I just I don't I can just say for me, I, I'm just open to seeing what happens because we this is literally unprecedented. It, you know, as we w- were trying to think of, oh, who did this? Who did that? As far as like superhero origin films, the closest thing is the first Avenger. Well, excuse me, the first uh, part of Endgame. That's the closest we've seen. Uh, you know, that Thanos basically it's a Thanos movie. It's, he's the protagonist. He's. You know, kind of like undefeated in fights. He's beating up Hulk. Hulk don't even come out the rest of the whole damn MCU. He put the fans on his ass. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is, right? And and damn, it really should have won at the end. You know, just had some. He, he they had to go through you know billions of possibilities to get the one where he don't win. That makes him the protagonist. You know. Hey, you know what? I'm I'm glad you mentioned the Dark Knight because I got a confession about the Dark Knight. Uh-oh. I don't know if you remember, but me and you saw that movie together at the Paradiso. Were we together? We were together, yeah. I remember watching it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, and so, because um, this was, was this like, was this college or high school? Uh, it had been on a year. I don't, it's, it's been a minute. Probably, we would have been I, early college. We would have had to been in college, but I remember we seeing it together, and when we left the movie, you were saying so much shit about this movie, and I was thinking to myself, it was all right, you know what I'm saying? It was a Batman movie. But then it, I think as I started to grow and mature <laughs> and I started to watch it more, I'm like, damn, this is a real good film. But I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, you know, it was cool. But I also think that my standard of superhero films back then were more like Spider-Man. Like Sam Raimi? Yeah, so it all it went to a whole new level. As far as storytelling and character development with the Dark Knight, and it was just like I didn't come there to see that type of film, so I was a little thrown off when we watched it. <laughs> I mean, isn't that the probably the original version of like a superhero? Well, excuse me, super villain origin story. I don't know, Sam. How, how did you feel about the movie when you saw it? The Dark Knight for me, what, what again? What year was that? Because I, I, I was trying to think. Like, I don't think I saw it in theaters. I think it was two thousand eight. Eight. So I was also early college. Um, I want to say I probably saw it at home then, because I don't think I went to see. It. I remember seeing the third one in theaters. Two thousand eight. Yep. Being upset. The seeing the second one like in the privacy of my own home, not having again the theater reactions to go with it. Again, I loved it. Like to me, having the Joker literally be the best Joker I've seen on screen. And again, I love Jack Nicholas. I think he's great. You know, but it's that moment of when he puts the pencil in the guy's head and it's Ooh. like, well, what is he really going to I say a, a, in the movie theater? I I've never had a moment more like the a whole audience captive. I mean, it's not like people weren't into the movie before that moment, but <laughs> the whole fucking audience, you hear a, an audible gasp and then everybody sits the fuck up. Ooh. It was incredible. Like, I was blown away. I that that movie in so many ways, seeing with an audience was unlike anything I've ever experienced since. And I think yeah. that's the detriment of that movie is the Joker. Because hmm. it's a Batman movie. It's called The Dark Knight. And for me, what do I remember? 
I remember the Joker way more than I remember Batman. Like, I know Batman did some things. He almost ran over the Joker that one time. Um, <laughs> Where you know, is he? You I got, mean, I mean, well, got tricked when <laughs> his girlfriend died, and then kind of making Two-Face, and then Two-Face somehow got a two-tone suit within like an hour of becoming Two-Face, which no one talks about. And I'm like, where did he find that two-sided suit? He literally just <laughs> made the joke. Like, he just literally came to Two-Face like maybe an hour ago. Maybe right. the Joker gave it. Hey, he, he just burned it with an iron. I don't know. It, it had like sequins in it. It was like work was done. To that suit. <laughs> like go back and look. Like that suit had detail in it that you just don't find unless you're like a pimp of some kind. Oh. And like I said, when I saw that movie, it was like to me the best Joker depiction I've had ever since. I guess Mark Hamill. And again, talking about the animated series. As far as live action goes, we only had what Jack Nicholas and I think that's it. Yeah, now we got to be somebody else. Yeah, Nicholson's all right. Like it's it's good. Like in 1989, we were like, this is absolutely amazing. This is great. But looking back with what Heath Ledger did with it, just reinvented it completely. He did. It's so jittery and like legitimately scary. And with this one, I think Joker's going to lean into more of the you understand why he became the Joker. And again, talking about sympathetic villains because Marvel does that now with Killmonger again what happened to him, even with Thanos to some degree of him being somewhat of a sympathetic villain that he doesn't think he was wrong. He's trying to actually help out the universe. With this, it's like, no, this guy, even in the trailers, is getting beat down every day. He probably lost yeah. his job. His mom looks like he, she's kind of sick of some kind. And the world pretty much gave up on him. So now it's, hey, I get why, you know, the one bad day thing is an actual thing with the Joker. I now sympathize for him while in the Dark Knight, there was none of that. Joker was a villain. You knew he was a villain. Again, he was crazy just to be crazy. Again, to quote Alfred, some people just want to see the world burn. And I, Mark, think, I think that was all an act. That's my read on Dark Knight, but it took me seeing it like three or four times to think that. I, because when you watch it again, like everything the Joker plans is so meticulous and so perfect down to knowing when the last school bus is going to arrive. He's really just absolutely incredible, and I think he's trying to throw people off by acting like he's a kook, and he's not a kook at all. That's my hot take. Mm. Well, my other read of that, too, is that mm. so that moment, Keith, and, and this is another thing about watching in the theater, that moment at the end where you got the two different boats, yeah. you are supposed to be escaping Gotham, and you got the convicts on one, and you got the so-called normal people on the other one, and they both hold a device that if they press a button will blow up the other boat. In the so-called real world, in everything up to that point, everything had been progressing in such a way where the public reacted in the expected chaotic way, the sort of anarchy, right? And in that one moment in the movie, it doesn't happen. And for me, what I read from it was, you're supposed to understand that if this will actually happen, the Joker won. Like his whole point was when you break down society and you, you kind of take down these barriers and you, you give people fear, they react in fearful ways and then they act impulsively and they do what's in their best interest in the immediate term. And that's the one moment it doesn't happen in the whole movie. And it's really to give Batman his win. But uh, that's not how things have been progressing through the film. So for me, it was really interesting. It felt like that that's the only part of the movie that truly feels Hollywood. But up to that point, if it had just been progressing the way it had, those people blow, you know, either both boats blow up at the same time or something, somebody dying, you know. Way better movie if everybody blows themselves up. Yeah, but then, you know, I mean, <laughs> that, Batman, 
what does Batman do? I mean, like, you know, it's truly a Joker film at that point. You know what I mean? He failed all the way. That's like Thanos level win. <laughs> he can't. That's, and he that's why he goes into retirement for eight years. That's why you don't see him again until Catwoman breaks into his house. I would love that. Right. I mean, but but the the fact that he was able to turn um, Harvey Dent was probably enough for him to go into that whole thing. So he, you know what? So that being said, I guess what I'm expecting from the movie, from from this new Joker movie, is for it to progress in a similar manner and then not turn Hollywood, whatever that means. I see what you mean. I can see that. Like, to let the things progress, to let the atrocities that may occur as the anarchy that the Joker begins to spread among society occurs, that there's not going to be a deces machina or kind of like a bullshit we care for all because we believe in these these like kind of mantras and, and duties among people. Like, that, that will not suddenly hit every person all at once they will act in their own impulsive selfish scared ways throughout the film that would be my expectation i don't know what that means for the film but i would assume that's one of the reasons people feel so much like it is a cinematic revelation i can see you know, that i'll oh, go ahead you know what i will want i I kind of want it to be something where I know that, that they're not connecting it with anything, but I would think it to be dope if this was like the Joker and Arkham pretty much doing a memoir or being interviewed. So kind of like how the killing joke is, how you don't really know what is true. Like, you know that there are certain things that's true in the killing joke, right? Like, you know mm-hmm. that he assaulted Barbara and he um, paralyzed her. But, like, as far as his backstory, you really don't know anything about Joker's backstory as actually being true. But what if Joker was actually telling his backstory and writing it out to that similar to a Hollywood film? And what would that look like? Mm. And you you never really know if this is a true story. So even if you did want to use Joaquin Phoenix in the future in a Batman film, you could always change up that particular origin story. All I know is people keep talking about the ending being un- like whatever happens at the end it's set up in such a way where like people can make an argument that four to, to ten different things happen and everybody could have a case for it. And I liked it because especially like back to what we were saying earlier before we started recording how we like um, narrators that are unreliable, you know. Yeah. Um, and and they go back to like, what is this? I think infatuation that we have with villains, like especially in American culture, you notice like some of the the best movies that were ever that's that's out there in American history are always films dealing with outlaws or gangsters and stuff. And like, what is the appeal of those characters? And to me, I feel like it's always because even though we might not like I'm not a violent person in real life. When certain particular things, (laughs) it's like I understand it, like I get it. You know what I'm saying? Like I might not be like Tony Montana and and walk out with a machine gun and, and, and shooting up a whole bunch of people. 
But in a way, regardless if I want to admit it or not, I think it's, you know, badass for that particular scene, you know. I feel like and, you were writing a Chris Rock joke. Like, remember when he did the one? He's like, I mean, you know, not that I think it was okay that he that he killed her. He's talking about OJ, but I understand. Yeah. That's what it feel like you're saying right now. Yeah, no, it's not that. I think I think there's something that's more relatable about villains. Just like what you were saying about the um, blowing up of the two boats. Like, in real life, what they had really happened, what they had actually hmm. both survived because both weren't willing, both sides weren't willing to sacrifice each other, or would that human nature kick in of survival and be like, you know what, F them, we're going to blow up this boat so we can survive, you know? And I think that villains just respond to certain things to me in a more realistic way and, and to like certain stimuli in a way that heroes do not, if that makes sense, right? So, so you know, with that in mind, um, let me ask this. Uh, Sam, have you had a chance to watch um, The Boys yet on Amazon? I have not finished it, but yes, I, I am aware of what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know how like in that show, speaking of what he was talking about, these heroes, so to speak, uh, these supers, whatever you want to call them, they are very much like I feel like they're written to be like, here's how people with superpowers who don't have like this some kind of God hand, some kind of author saying you can't be bad or you can't act like, you know, you're selfish or whatever. Here's how those people would act in real life if they had powers like so. What have you thought about that approach to like from a narrative standpoint of writing people with superpowers is if they have faults in like they actually react like people who aren't just going to do the right thing at all times. I'm going to cheat and say I love and hate it all at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. As someone who also grew up reading comics, so I get what you're tr- like, what, what they're trying to do. Like I grew up loving the Boy Scout Superman. So when I see this kind of new DCEU Superman who's kind of a jerk, it's like, well, that's not Superman that I grew up with. You know, my Superman, you know, wears the red, white, and blue, even though he doesn't have white inside his uniform. Like, he's he stands up for the right and good thing. While in a real-life situation, would Superman do that? And when you look at the boys, when you look at pretty much a lot of fiction now that pretty much... Oh, even like, was it Birthright? Is that What's the name of that movie that just oh, came Brightburn. out? Oh, Brightburn. Like, I'm saying totally in the wrong name. Yeah. Like, again, when Superman comes down, it's like, yo, I have laser vision and I can bust through a steel wall and I'm 10. So, sure, I can do that. And for me, looking at the boys or any of that kind of fiction, it's a true way of doing things. And to me, I get it. And I, like I said, I like that because, again, it is more true to how the real world would work. And again, the example of the Dark Knight, where you have the two boats, and you do wonder, okay, if we did put like a hundred people on two different separate boats, they don't know what they're going, the other boat's going to do. Would they kill the other boat? And a part of me still wants to believe in that childlike fantasy of saying, yeah, everyone would do the right thing because that's what Superman and Batman would do. Even though in the real world, if someone was well given superpowers or had to sit in that situation, the answer would probably be no. Like when I look at any of that now where oh, I forgot the name of the comic, but you know, like just using the boys as an example, more than likely that's how superheroes would be. Yes, there probably would still be some good ones out there trying to do it the right way, but most of the time there were probably some kind of jerks. You get the exactly. joke about um 
Superman, I think from Family Guy from years ago, where it's like all the women inside his office got breast cancer somehow. It's because he's visioning through their shirts. Oh, no. And again, it's like, that's a joke, but at the same time, if you gave (laughs) see-through vision to a 15-year-old boy or girl, they're probably doing things they probably shouldn't be doing. Because again, as humans, we have our best intentions most of the time. But if I give you the fact that you are literally a god in this universe, and if you are, again, the Superman equivalent, as much as I like the Incredibles, they're probably not going to be doing the best thing either. Like, yeah, which is crazy. So you know what I? Oh, go ahead. Oh, you know when I think about it, when you put it that way, and you do want to see people do the right thing, I, I do feel like the way that Dark Knight handles it with having Tiny Zeus Lister, or is it Zeus Tiny Lister? I'm not sure. Um, be the one who saves the day, which is like the last thing you're expecting because they build him up as like, you know, he's going to be like the scariest of all the prisoners. And then he's the one who does the right thing. I think that is like a great movie turn just because it's so much more fun to watch a movie that does the unexpected thing. I mean, it's like the Butch Cassidy rule of like they sort of do the opposite of what you think they're going to do every time. And so, you know, while part of me like thinks that would be like the most committed movie ever if they just blown up the boats and then it ends and Batman is shattered. I have to admit, Chris Nolan, you know, does definitely definitely know what he's doing on these movies and but, i can't find fault with really anything in any of those movies well i would say that's why jordan peele when he did get out didn't stick with the ending of chris goes to jail right i mean you could do it but like everybody there's no catharsis you just walk out like oh my god what the fuck did i just watch? like you just don't there's no as an audience member well, moment to actually, exhale and feel good yeah that's what actually happened like he actually had that as original did some test screenings and everybody walked out like well that kind of sucked <laughs> yeah and it yeah. was again because we as humans want to he- see the hero escape you know we want to see him you know go out <laughs> go after all the that lovely family who wanted to trade his body in for another body and again the original like when i saw that clip because you can find it on youtube if you want to it's like yeah, absolutely. No. yeah this is sad like this like i get the point you know, but at the same time, I like you said, I would have left that theater feeling a totally different way versus this is how it works in America for right. real. Versus the man, I'm the motherfucking TSA. I'm like, oh okay. <laughs> I used he to work still, at the airport. Y'all ain't doing nothing. <laughs> he still gets the sad ending though, because it's kind of like you know, there's a happy ending to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but we all know what really happened, and we get out, we all know what would really happen, and you still walk out of Get Out with a lot of sadness, just knowing. You know, realistically, it probably wouldn't have gone that happily. Man, we just said some real deep shit there. Because once upon, oh wait, whoa, 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 whoa! I just spoiled so many it... movies at the same time. Yeah, I know. Wait a minute, Sam, have you seen it? <laughs> I haven't, but it's fine. It's, I was okay. Still, we I didn't really, watching. we really didn't say a whole lot, honestly. <laughs> like we didn't say what happened, so that's fine. No, that's good. Uh, that's <laughs> cool. But I get the point, though. I still get the point of it, though. Like I still understand what what was trying to be said there, and like with this. Like I said, we get out, what I still feel sad about everything that happened, yes, because you still have to look at grandma and grandpa. You know, you still have to understand that, like, even that one brother whose name I have forgotten, I think he's from Atlanta, the TV show, where it's like, his whole thing when he sees the Flash isn't to run away himself, it's to look at him and be like, yo, Daniel, you gotta go. You gotta go. Because <laughs> I know I can't get out of this, because I'm too far in. But you have to leave, and to me, again, the expectation of that movie was to at least have some kind of, le- not levity, but like 
something that you can ex ex excel your breath from. Because at the end of the day, you have, again, to be honest, white woman on floor talking about how this black man did blank to her. And that was the actual police, not the TSA. We don't know how that plays out. Originally, yeah, it was going to be him going to jail and him being like, I did the right thing because I still stopped that organization. Mm -hmm. While getting the actual I get to go home to me is just, again, slightly more happier than seeing him in jail, even though he is still in his own mind happy that he got rid of that organization, got rid of what they were doing to me. I, as someone who has never been to jail and never would like to go to jail, I like seeing that. I enjoy the, no, I'm going home. I defeated the villains. I slayed the dragon. I crossed the moat. I'm going home. And another thing that's really funny about everything you guys are pointing out, actually from each example we've given so far, there's like these, the, the kind of the opposing sides of the butting heads. There's something symbolic about like those particular sides, butting heads, whatever it happens to be. But if you notice, like it never tends to be people from the same background mm. opposing in the same way. So imagine like you did the same thing in the Dark Knight, but you just had like a bunch of people from the suburbs in both boats. It's almost like people can't. It's not that they can't imagine other people who they would assume are like them doing the evil thing. But it's just as likely as the people you would assume being evil as, as you know, convicts, you know, what I mean, mm -hmm. becoming banal and doing the thing they feel like protects them. It's really interesting, actually. I don't know. Something about the way we were having a conversation kind of brought that to mind. Um, but, you know, what? we've been going for a long time and I feel like we probably should close up. Uh, this has been a fascinating episode. Like, I'm, I'm really glad we've done this. We should, we should, uh, you know, maybe do this a little more. The crossover is coming. I love this. Yeah. I do too, man. I would love to come back. Or, I don't know if you're technically on our podcast right now or we're on your podcast, but next time we'll do it the other way. Hey, whatever way we want to do it, man, I am down for it. Again, my setup is not as nice as you all's because, again, I'm usually just in a closet. But... <laughs> Again, whatever you guys have down, again, this has been fun for me. Like I said, I enjoy talking, as you might notice from my podcast. I talk for sometimes several hours. Um, <laughs> but to have other people to bounce off of, I think, is a little bit more easier <laughs> for me. Yeah, so, I yeah. couldn't imagine doing it just by myself. Like, that's that's a whole nother talent in itself. Like, I don't think nobody wants to sit here and just listen to me talk for, like, two hours. So, um I, I mean, have, you got the voice for it, though, Sam. That's what I was about to say, too. Yeah, hey, man, do. I appreciate that. Only yeah. good quality I have. Only good one. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, please, please, please make sure uh, you listen to Sam said it. Um, you know, if, if you're one of our subscribers uh, and if you got this far, you know you enjoyed yourself. Please make sure you subscribe to the Sam said it podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the low key podcast. Share with a, at least one friend. That is a huge deal to us. Just spread the word. Uh, we are on every Friday right now. Uh, Sam, when, when does your podcast come out? See, this um, um, it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> I try to do like every other week. Again, just some background for everyone listening. I have been going through some medical things with my foot and being in a cast for a while. Mm -hmm. Doing that plus doing full-time work makes me really tired. So the frequency is on and off. Like mm -hmm. I said, I usually post when I when I am going to put up an episode. So again, just 
Follow me on Instagram. Again, it's still Sam said it, DFW, pretty much on every platform you can find. Yeah. Um, and I will always post when I'm putting an episode up. I try to do at least every Tuesday, uh, every other Tuesday. But like I said, with this injury, it's just, it's been going back and forth, to be honest. Hey, man, well, long, long as, as your people know what's going on, that's that's perfect, man. Like, I mean, thanks for, and look, with that in mind, thank you for making the effort to, you know, record with us, man. We really appreciate it. Hey, man, I appreciate you guys. Right. And um, also check out Tim's podcast that he has with his wife, Deidre. Um, we talk every week about Chris Gaines and a different chapter in Chris Gaines' life. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, man. Please, please see if you can get Garth to come on, man. I would, <laughs> that would be like a killer episode, man. You probably would. would I, I mean, I don't even know what kind of traffic that would get because I'm telling you, people don't know that. I'm. At least, you look, your black audience, have a larger black shoot this now audience is, we don't know shit about that. So, like, please, <laughs> put us on game, because we ain't know. <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a wacky story. And, Sam, you definitely got to check out the um, Shoot This Now podcast. It is. It's pretty good stuff. I think you'll love it. Hey, man, I'm going to um, it right now, man. It's right. so good. It's so good. There's so many of them that are really funny, but I think probably the one that would immediately be most captivating to people who haven't had a chance to check it out is the episode about the Michael Jackson trial when Tim is at, at like on beat oh, <laughs> writing about the Michael Jackson trial, the second one. It's so yeah. goofy. Yeah, it's pretty goofy. Um, but but yeah, so that's that's it for us today, folks. Um, I think we we got all the plugs in for today, and um. Oh, no, we didn't. There's one more. Um, if you have a loved one who who needs and, and, and loves to have uh, their coffee or tea and some mugs, please check out Coffee and Namaste. Keith's website up with all the merchandise for the best mugs that you can find. Oh, I appreciate that. You know, I'll be forgetting to plug my own stuff. But yeah, Aaron is right. That's um, www.coffeeandnamaste.com. So, so um, once again, thanks for tuning with us, and we out. I'll let y'all on the next one. Thanks again, Sam. My pleasure. Thanks, Sam.